Hello, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping devoted Christ followers on the higher journey as they climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. This podcast is built around the idea that life's not just a journey, but rather a purposeful climb to sovereign heights. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. We welcome you to journey alongside us as we explore common hangups, setbacks, and growth points on the journey of life, as well as some key strategies and resources so we can collaboratively climb together to reach new heights. This is Climbing Fierce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Climbing Fierce. On today's show, we're talking about those moments in life when amidst walking through life and walking out our faith, things don't go as planned, and we're often left with our backs up against the wall, maybe even with no escape route in sight. But first, how about last week's episode? What a gift it was to hear from Jesse Dempsey as he talked about his struggle with severe post-concussion syndrome and anxiety. I mean, wow. While we, have not, while we may not necessarily share in those specific symptoms or those struggles, his story is something so many of us can relate to because I would suspect we've all had or at least will have those derailing moments when life seems to go really terribly wrong and you can't anticipate for you know those type right. of yep, scenarios. Exactly. So for those of you who have not yet listened, last week, Claudia's son, Jesse, talked about his journey through a season of deep brokenness. And in light of that conversation, we've decided to camp out here just a little bit longer and spend some more time this week discussing what to do when hardship, unexpected changes, or just blatant opposition seems to be pressing in, especially for those who seem to be doing all the quote unquote right things. Yeah, you know, and I almost feel bad talking about this because it's it's a heavy topic. And some of these topics that are heavy, man, it's like wading into really deep water that sometimes you'd really rather just, I'd, really, I'd rather just stay here at the edge of the water. But the fact is that we've got to press into some of this. So while I would really most like to sit and talk about Lucy stories and hear some <laughs> of her new antics, um, let's press in. Let's Let's talk about some of these deeper things today because... These challenging moments are not only potential doorways for breakthrough and growth, but they so often become the basis of our stories and and many times even our future ministries. So um, today we're going to look at those life moments and seasons which leave us in a position where if God does not show up, we just simply won't make it through. And as the title of our episode suggests, which is Red Seas, Enemies, and Desperate Pleas, it just suggests that when we look at those moments that we're going to encounter these times and it's going to be almost like we can find some connection to that story of Moses mm-hmm. where um, if you know the story, he's leading, what, what is the number? Two million plus Israelites because they give, I think it's 600,000 guys and then all the women, the children, mm-hmm. all, the, all the livestock, everything he's lead, leading out. Um, And they are following God. They're walking in response to his direction. And then they find themselves trapped between a 600,000 man army, the Egyptians who are heading their way, and they're backed up against the edge of the Red Sea. And while we don't know the location, we know at this point they've traveled for a little while. And if you could imagine millions of people wandering, (laughs) tired, in the desert, um, and all they know is that they followed what God told them to do. And now they're backed up against a wall. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the Egyptians to be intimidated by their numbers, 
two plus million does not surprise me at all. It's got to be right. Got to yeah. be intimidating. They were a huge nation. And I would bet that many of our listeners resonate with the idea of being called out or maybe called to something higher. But I'd also bet that many of us do not often find ourselves willing to step into uh, a call of this nature for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Maybe the fear of the unknown, maybe it's the loss of security, the threat of danger, or even the possibility of discomfort. And if you've had any big life change, you know firsthand how disorienting and really uncomfortable that can be. And we're going to see later in the Exodus story, but when God calls us to something, he's also calling us away from something. And that can be really difficult to let go. Um, You know, the Israelites later will say, did you bring us out in this desert to die? At least (laughs) in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted to. Um, And we we hate on on the uh, Israelites pretty often. For, for sure, their responses. But honestly. But when right. you put it in context, like when I don't have water, I drink so much water. If I were them, I would be like, why? I'm so thirsty. At least in Egypt, we were by the Nile. So I, I'm trying not to hate on them because I think, you know, I. It's easy to look back with rose colored glasses and totally. think things were so great. Even yeah. though they were terrible. They oh. were wretched there and they're kind of wretched here too. Mm-hmm. It's bad all the way around. Yes, for sure. Exodus is just one example, but the Bible offers us a lot of examples of how following God will not always be easy. He's called us to take some big steps and to follow his lead. But in this Exodus story, God could have done a lot of different things than what actually happened. He could have protected them from the actual fighting attack uh, by the Egyptian army, um, you know, if they would have actually made contact. He could have taken them on a completely different route, far away from the Red Sea, he could have sent a blinding sandstorm toward the, towards the Egyptians to push them back to Egypt before they even got close to the Israelites. But he didn't do any of those things. <laughs> um, in fact, as it's told in scripture, it actually appears that the Lord, who was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night, so definitely the Lord leading, he led them right up against the bank of the Red Sea at just the right time so that they would be walled in by the advancing Egyptian army. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it it's really seems as though God scripted these events so that Israel would have this critical moment before them where danger, hardship, and disappointment, where they were all pressing in and there literally was no way of escape. And Hannah, this is a really hard place to be. That's mm-hmm. just difficult. In fact, scripture uses this term when, when the Egyptians are approaching and Israel looks up, the word is, you know, they're terrified. They're feeling pure terror, like it's over. We're done for. This was all a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So this was not simply some unfortunate turn of events. In their eyes, this looked like defeat was just imminent, and it was just a matter of time. And something that can be particularly challenging for Christians is that And I've thought this on quite a few occasions. Not only do we have the challenge of walking through something that's hard, but as Christians, you've got to wrestle through the reality of there's a God who could have prevented all this. Mm. I I think of seasons of loss, of so many things we've got to go through. We not only have that challenge of figuring out how in the world am I going to process this, but I also have this second issue of there's a good God who just who allowed this to unfold when he didn't need to. And Mm. while we don't understand those, we've got to come to terms with that reality. Mm. So it's going to be really important to recognize that there's a lot of internal processing that's going on when, when we encounter these challenging moments, especially, here it is, so especially if it's our act of faith 
and obedience that seem to be the catalyst for what's going wrong. It's when we do all the right things. In fact, I just had somebody say to me the other day, things were kind of unfolding and not going well in their life. They're like, I did all the right things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, humanly speaking, it looks like they did a lot of things right. And that doesn't guarantee anything. And God may still say, I'm going to allow you to walk through something, but that's a hard place to get to. Um, And I know it's something. I, I struggled for years. I can remember a time even a few decades ago when I stepped out kind of in my 20s. This was raw faith. I'm going to do this. And it fell apart. And I was so upset with the Lord. I remember sitting, talking, having a conversation with him, telling him, Lord, if this is how you treat those who want to serve you, I don't, it's no wonder there aren't a lot of people in line. Like Mm -hmm. I I didn't feel like there were a lot of people rushing forward, like, Mm -hmm. Lord, take my life. I'm all yours. And I'm like, well, no wonder why. Look what's happening. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I, it really took me a while to kind of process through that. Um, and I know I even pulled back for a little while, like trying to reconcile what in the world. Is this what the faith journey really looks like? Because this is pretty confusing. So I would imagine that that's probably how Joseph felt in the Bible. I mean, when he... Yeah, that is a great example. When he ends up in prison and... He's like, I literally ran from sin. I did what I was supposed to do. I did the right thing. And yet I am in the opposite position that I was. You think things are going so well for him right. after he had already experienced the tragedy of being you know, ripped from his family and carted off to Egypt. Ha, look, Egypt, there it is again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I imagine that's how, how he probably felt in that moment too. But we know the end of his story. So it's easy again with those rose colored glasses to look at his story and say, oh, it's going to get better, Joseph. Like you just hang just in there. On, right? But when it's us, it is much harder, I think, to, to stay in the fight and remember. And I just want to say thank you to you for sharing that because I think it's hard to be vulnerable and have the humility to share, you know, some of our expressions to God when they're not the most pleasant or satisfied. So thank you for that. I haven't walked through something quite that intense after stepping out in obedience. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, And, you know, we're talking about these faith testing moments, but sometimes we can see that God does not lead us through these moments, um, I think, to only leave us trapped. And we're, we're seeing that in Exodus. In fact, he, I don't think, ever asked us to follow him only to let the enemy advance victoriously. Right. Um, he always has a plan, always. And our struggle and our goal is to not lose hope in the hardship and to not um, forget that there have been others that have gone before us. And in moments like these, everything in our natural mind and everything in our flesh will gravitate toward panic and anger and fear and anxiety, hopelessness and despair, and I think even self-preservation, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. Um, But his invitation in these situations is always for us to trust him. Now, I'm not going to say that we need to get to a point where we're seeing and experiencing hardship and we throw a party, get the streamers. Of course not. That would be insane. But it is faith that will forge or reveal the pathway through those difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, this is, as you said, you know, this isn't something that's going to hit us all at the same season of life. Or, but these things are going to approach and rarely will they make sense. In fact, I remember one time um, my husband went through a battle with cancer and I, I knew this was coming. I, we, he had walked through this for a few years and he was, um, he went to remission and it came back, went to remission and it came back. And so this third time of going into it, I'm like, this time I'm going to do this in faith. I'm going to do this one. Okay. I've been through it before. And it 
it didn't get easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't. Um, I there was greater maturity each time, mm-hmm. and but with each challenge is this reality of there's so much uncertainty and you use this expression self-preservation that we really do try to figure it out Mm -hmm. and we very it's very natural like how in the world are we going to make it through this um but here's here's something i've learned and I, i tell this to my kids all the time very often the only way out is is to go through there, mm-hmm. there is no, there's no easy button. Nobody's coming to pull you up out of this. Um, you're going to have to walk this out. And in the walking through is where you see God show up in ways you can never imagine. So, I mean, there's so many times I really, I would search for an ejection button. I'm like, surely, surely there's some way I can just, I can take the off ramp here. And um, I, I never found those. It was this invitation of Claudia come on and walk with me, walk with me through this. And Mm. that is contrary to everything our flesh is going to want to hear and want to do. But I believe that part of the purpose of these deeply challenging circumstances is that so that we can learn to walk with him. Because like the Israelites, we will often find that he is waiting to create pathways of escape. And I think what we do is we don't see the pathway and we go to panic. And he's like, did you not know I'm the God who makes, I put things into existence that never existed. I'm the Mm. God of creating every opportunity. I think you one time said, God owns all the doors. Mm. He's going to open every door when he wants to. He'll, he'll part the waters when he wants to. Um, and even this, you know, Isaiah 43, which talks about this very story that we're talking about with Moses. I love this in verse 19, as it's talking about the Lord is a God who makes the way he goes through and parts the seas and he says in 19 see i'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it i'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland so i would just say for anybody Mm. listening if you are if anything (laughs) resonating with wasteland Mm. and you're feeling like i I, there's no avenue out i don't see the path ahead i'm two plus two is not equaling four on this one just know that our God is a way of showing up in ways we never even imagined. And he, and again, he didn't take us this far to leave us here. He will absolutely lead us through to what he has for us. Mm, that's a really good word. You know, as you were talking, I was even thinking a lot of times I think that ejection button or um, like our pursuit of relief from some of the emotions and just the heavy weight of situations like that is to discover the why. Like we ask ourselves, mm. okay, why right. is this the result of something? Could this have been avoided if we took three preemptive steps before this, even though this was completely unforeseen? <laughs> and the answer is no. Um, right. But we try to find some of that relief, some of that easy way out by like um, logically thinking through some of those things. But you're totally right. I mean, our God is a way maker who leads us through And sometimes he joins us as the fourth man in the fire, or sometimes he closes the mouths of lions that encircle us. Maybe he sends manna in the desert or brings forth water from the rock or shakes the ground that opens the prison doors. But he is also a God who may also choose to let us wait for a moment before he's going to intervene. Like you said, he might wait a little bit before he parts those waters. And yet he is faithful to be present with us, even though his control and power over a situation may not necessarily be evident as we face some of our greatest challenges. I love that. That he's present, if not, even though maybe not evident, he's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a great book that uh, a friend got for us after we walked through um, a miscarriage. This now was a, 
I almost said many years ago. We've only been married for six years, but to us, it feels like many years ago. Um, and it's called The Moon is Always Round. And I would have to look up the author. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but The Moon is Always Round. And it basically talks about no matter what the moon looks like, the moon is always round. Mm. And it, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's like what a catechism a for kids that... Mm. Um, basically God is always good no matter what mm. you see what your circumstances are saying the moon is always round so that's awesome that is a good one it will definitely make you cry so if you buy it and read it I warned you <laughs> so rather than saying uh rather than God saying here's the escape hatch he may instead say hold tight I've got you watch this it is gonna blow your mind because I can tell you that mm. when those waters parted <laughs> Israelites right Yes. Probably were just shocked, stunned, frozen. At least that's how I probably would respond. Um, you know, in situations like this, though, I think we have to remember and be self-aware that we as people have to recognize and maybe even prepare ourselves for our natural human inclination. Because it's always going to be to embrace fear. It's always mm. going to be that gut reaction of self-preservation. And so when we begin to feel that. I think sometimes we can hear thoughts in our head like, you'll never be happy or you're never going to know joy again. This is never going to end. This pain is never going to be ceasing or this season's not going to change or like this is the way things are now. Um, Just this perpetual hopelessness where you don't feel like there's a way out. And um, I think even sometimes in that scenario, you hear a whisper in your ear that is kind of like, where is God now? Right. Where's yeah. his power and love that you talked about and he talked about to you? you right. know, where's your God now? You know, I, I was even listening one day, and I don't know how I ran across it. it was, it's not a Christian uh, speaker. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just curious his angle on this. And he was talking that the normal human response in times like this, we catastrophize. We're like, oh, no, like this is now forever. I'll never, ever, I'll never know joy again, ever. Yeah. You know, like we just, the world as I know it is now ending. Yeah. And his reminder is like, life has so many seasons. Mm. Hold on. And I mean, even more so for the Christian, we've got something to hold on to, mm-hmm. which changes everything. So um, yeah, we're going to have to fight and resist this tendency to catastrophize our thoughts, right? And to let our mind just run wild. And that's why I love that Climbing Fierce's podcast is a part of a website called Growth point perspective it's so much is tied to our perspective as believers and we when we can get a hold of this and we're continuing to reframe that perspective man i think it's going to change everything but to know there's no shame in feeling hurt you know feeling fear feeling loss feeling sadness that is very normal and natural so this isn't like hey when, once you arrive hannah you're not even going to feel those things anymore no you're going to feel all of them <laughs> it's just kind of now what we do with those mm. um, that's all normal and so we have to actually ready our minds to respond in faith because our flesh will never ever ever lean in that direction mm. um, but in our mind and our the spirit man within us we absolutely can so a couple things to keep in mind um Our brains, so interesting, are always going to respond to pain instinctively through this fight, flight, or freeze response, right? We're we're going to always do one of those because we don't ever want to stick around in pain. So whatever I can do to get out of this, our first instinct is to just run. Um, And so typically for many of us, we're going to, you'll see patterns where we're, I'm always that person who's going to, I'm going to fight. I'm going to just, something rises up and I'm going to attack this and everything. And then you see those who freeze 
And you see those who just run. We're like, where did they go? Like, they are no longer here because they have run so far and so fast. Um, and to understand, we are, we're wired. This is the natural wiring is that we recoil from anything. You know, imagine a hand on a stove. No normal person would keep the hand on the stove. They're right. going to pull back. And that's starting to understand how we do this. Um, and like you said, you hit a really good point. We will sometimes look at negative things and be like, I know I do this. Um, not as much now, but there's still times. I'm like, ah, oh, did I do something wrong? Mm. Is this like punishment or consequence because yeah. I didn't pray enough? Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. And, I, you know, when I see my kids talk to me about this, I'm like, guys, don't be crazy. Mm-hmm. Of course not. You know, and I can talk them through. But when I'm stuck in that, I can't always get myself out of that place. Um, we really do. Um, this idea that if, if God is a good father, surely he's only going to give me lots of good things. Hmm. And yet, as any good parent would know, we're going to give our kids lots of direction. And sometimes some of that's with some consequences mm-hmm. and with pain. But even with um, instruction that's healthy. And mm-hmm. to not run to a blaming, shaming kind of place where we're trying to, we're just trying to make sense of it. That's what we do. We're in the middle of it. Um, and just to know that these sort of scenarios this is fertile ground for comparison and self-pity. Um, you know, I, I read this article the other day. This woman's like, why do fruit flies just suddenly show up in my kitchen the moment <laughs> I put like an apple on the counter? And I'm like, really? Like just fruit flies suddenly, they're not in my house until mm-hmm. the banana has been sitting there for two days. <laughs> so it's kind of like self-pity and comparison are like these nasty little fruit flies. They just know things are now, you know, the circumstances are ripe for them to just stick around and kind of like start, start nagging at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really do, we give into this idea that, um, poor me. And when I, I'm going to look over at your, your lawn that has no weeds and Lord, why in the world are there weeds here when Hannah has not treated her lawn in four years? <laughs> I treat my lawn weekly and her lawn's like, you know, like we mm-hmm. just go to this comparison game and yeah. a friend of mine has used this term. Um, compare and despair, right? You just, you want to avoid that. So those are some Mm -hmm. things that we can think about to kind of help ourselves knowing we can, we can mess ourselves up a little bit when Mm -hmm. our, when our minds start to get off track when we encounter hardship. Okay. So let's, let's go through those because sometimes I need to loop back. So we have, uh, you know, when we're walking through this, our responses are likely going to fall in maybe a couple of these categories, but you have denial or resisting what's happening. You have that fight, flight, freeze response that may kick in. And maybe that is explaining some of the behaviors that seem unlike our normal selves because, you know, you're in a in a different mode of operation than normal. Uh, maybe it is considering or internalizing them as punishment. And then the last one is that comparison and self-pity that's going to creep in. Yeah, I mean, that's totally right. And so, Hannah, this is... I'm in a place in life, so now I'm in my 50s, and I don't think this is just wishful thinking or just some flowery kind of imagination to say, I've learned that through all of the hardships and all of the going through the valleys and coming back up that I've yet to see a time where God is leading myself or someone else towards something new, toward a new season, toward a new opportunity. To, And we do look at these things where, where all's going to be lost, and yet those are the moments that sometimes become the doorway to the very next thing he has for us. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the invitation for us is to walk by faith and not by what we're seeing, right? Not by our sight. Because our God is a Red Sea parting God. He does not lead us to leave us. I love that. He does not lead us to leave us. That's something you can write on your mirror or 
write on your hand if you're a teenager, or maybe I'm the only one that used to do that to remind myself of things, but he does not lead us to leave us. And as with the Israelites, the very obstacles and the walls that previously stood before us may become our miracle, our miraculous way to escape that dire situation. As this story unfolds for Israel, we know that God miraculously parts the sea and creates an unforeseen path for their journey. And not only that, but he swallowed up the enemy at the same time. But it was not until Israel was brought to a critical growth point. Would they panic? Would they turn from God? Would they refuse faith? Or would they lean in and rely on God? The fact is that the entire meta narrative of scripture is a story of rescue and redemption. And often we see that we will that what will be salvation and rescue for some is going to bring judgment and punishment to others. And those others are the enemies of God. And in the Exodus story, it's the waters that are going to bring rescue and redemption for Israel. And that are going to be the punishment and judgment for the Egyptians. And this is just an unrelated, but cool thing. If I can nerd out for just a second, but the idea of salvation and judgment through water is actually a theme that's seen several more times throughout the Bible. Mm, That's a great point. And ultimately it's actually going to lead us to baptism. And the fact that when we come up through the water, it's a symbol for the rescue and the salvation that we have in Jesus. And I just love how God shows us his consistency, um, that the God of the old Testament is telling us a story that bleeds into the new Testament. It's all one big story. Um, and I know I use that fancy word, a meta narrative of scripture. It just means the big story of what God is telling us through all of scripture. So with this rescue and redemption mission, this is really God's MO and that is just what he does. It doesn't negate the fact that God may use that adversity as a means to foster new opportunity. But as A.W. Tozer notes, God often chooses to work deeply in those he plans to use greatly. Hannah, that's exactly right. You know, but I would just say to anybody listening who I think the tendency is like, yeah, but that's that's like old time biblical story. Those are like moves of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not feeding the 5,000 anymore. He's not parting Red Seas. Well... You know, at times I've thought about this and I've tried to look for for ways and instances where he's still moving. And something that relates actually for me a lot to this story was actually something that happened. um, It was in the 40s. So for many of us, be something probably our parents or grandparents, stories they would have told us. But this idea of when when Hitler and his band of, you know, Nazi soldiers is going throughout Europe, trying to just take over different regions, as they're moving into France, Britain kind of gets word that that Hitler and his forces are advancing, and they send about a few hundred thousand folks. So they send these guys over to France. They're like, oh my gosh, let's let's hold back. Um um, Hitler and his advancing army because if they're if they take France we're next so let's send them over there um, and so the the folks in France are fighting they've got the British soldiers and I think even a couple other allied forces they're all fighting Nazi Germany and everybody's surprised the Germans are still advancing they're kind of fine they're creating routes where nobody even imagined they you know they'd they'd walk through they're like we don't even know how they're continuing in advance their tanks are going through areas we didn't even think they could traverse but they're somehow making it through and things are not looking good um and before long this huge band of british soldiers is actually backed up against the english channel so this is where france the border comes and backs it up and here they are they've got the advancing german armies their backs are up against the english channel 
And it looks like, honestly, all hope is lost. In fact, from what I recall of it, that um, that Prime Minister Churchill actually called the king at one point to say, listen, I just need to let you know what's happening. And I, I think all hope is lost. I mm. don't know. Of our thou- hundreds of thousands, we may be able to get ten to 20,000 out. So we're going to try a little rescue mission through the channel. But it really looks like defeat is imminent. So I'm just telling you now. So the king does something nobody expects the very next day he calls an all-day national day of prayer and the nation responds like crazy people from what they say people were like lining the streets of the churches they couldn't even get in the churches they were just outside lining just saying god if you do not show up for the miraculous all hope is lost we're not only going to lose these men who are there serving but this advancing army they're coming to us next we're right Mm. next door so um they showed up and amazingly, God intervened. And what happened next is nothing short of miraculous. So for some reason, nobody can understand, Hitler inexplicably stops all advancing ground efforts for three days. He just stops. Huh. He's winning. If like He's about to win. He's about to conquer. He's like, he just takes a little vacation. I'm just going to stop for three <laughs> Not days. Not very Hitler of him. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, totally. Then suddenly... Rains begin to fall. So the German planes that were like decimating some of the forces, they're all grounded. So now Hitler's not advancing. The planes are not flying. And all, and at the time, there were not a lot of military vessels that the that Britain could send over. So like, we can go get a couple. Well, they get word out. Suddenly, a fleet of 850 small civilian private little boats from like rowboats to tugboats to little, you know, fishing vessels. Oh, wow. Um, they go to join this effort, and they're leaving from this this point, and they they've got the soldiers who pack um, back up to this port. It's called Dunkirk, um, and they go from Dunkirk to England, and back from England to Dunkirk, and back and forth. And here's another one that is incredibly miraculous: is that the English Channel is usually really rough, uh, but one source said that that water became like bath water, which is a once in a generation type of experience. So hmm. you think of. Element after element, Hitler stops advancing. The rains start to fall. All this army of vessels come to rescue these soldiers. The English Channel, which is not easy to cross, suddenly becomes like bathwater. And then, interestingly, from where there had been bombs and, and debris burning, all the smoke, a wind comes, blows all the smoke over the channel. So now Hitler and his forces can't even see all that's happening, unbeknownst to them, where they thought maybe 20,000 men would be saved, nearly 340,000 troops were rescued. Wow. Through this miraculous event where I'm like, you know what? God shows up. Mm-hmm. He still shows up. And that was, I looked for a story that was similar to kind of this whole thing where we're looking at the story of the Exodus and they're backed against the water. But he shows up in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't always see it. And sometimes we have to hold on to that by faith. But he will show up. Wow. That honestly reminds me of Judges, um, you know, the, the cyclical uh, process that the people of Israel would go through where, you know, they would fall into sin and then they would be in hardship for a while and then, um, you know, God would move and save them and then they had a time of peace. Like those people in Britain were desperate. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if that happened right now in America... I would be beside myself. I would be just over the moon that, you know, people feel desperate enough to pray to mm. God um, right. and to watch God respond is is so incredible. Yeah. Um, you guys didn't know that Claudia was a history buff, 
I don't know how I got this job, but I'm not complaining. (laughs) So here's the moral of the story. Life is going to try you and God himself may lead you into challenging circumstances as you step out in faith and in obedience. And it will feel like a confusing betrayal, but it's important to remember that the presence of hardship is not the absence of God or his grace or his power. He's never going to leave. He's never going to abandon, forget, or neglect us in our trials. And on the contrary, he's going to invite us to walk with him by faith as he leads out by taking us through to new seasons, opportunities, and provisions. And any believer who has walked with God for some period of time will let will tell you that, you know, you come out on the other side of those trials with more trust and more assurance in who God is and his personal love for you. And not to mention, you yourself are changed by these circumstances. If we lean into God, if we don't resist or let that fight, flight, or freeze take over, if we walk through what God has set before us, then we're going to become more like him by the end of it. And if you didn't know, that's actually our greatest good. Romans 8 says, in the same way, the spirit also joins us to help us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches the hearts knows the spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So here is where I'm going. (laughs) So if you are losing me, tune back in. Uh, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that we, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. For the good of those who love God, all things are going to work for the good of those mm. who love God. And our greatest good, it says in 29, is to be conformed to the image of his son. And so... If there's anything maybe that you walk away with, it's that through difficult situations when you're being obedient, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually becoming more like Jesus because he was obedient to the point of death. He was obedient through suffering. Um, and obviously he does that perfectly. And I don't think, you know, we're ever going to do that perfectly. Um, but I mean, that's a hard reality to understand that if Jesus suffered in this time on earth, um, you know, as his brothers and sisters, as his co-heirs, we are destined to share in some of the, in some of that suffering as well, but not alone. We're never alone and we're never without hope or without the promise of God's help and presence. And let me just say, you know, as you're talking, Hannah, I would love for those who've got stories, share your stories, encourage us with where you've seen God move, but where maybe we can even just lock arms with you. If you're, if you're, if the waters are not yet parting and you just need some prayer support, you know, reach out. Mm -hmm. It's hello at growthpoint.com, growthpointperspective.com, or just share those stories of where where he did show up miraculously. Maybe we can find a way to share some of these and kind of connect these because I think we all need the encouragement from time to time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time. And until then, go climb fierce. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources, links, and helpful tools on today's topic. You can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com. 
If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know. Leave us a review or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.